Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, of course, part of the 90 Min football family. And we're coming to you today from 90 Min Towers. Yes, I'm in the office. That's why it's a different setup. Maybe the audio is not so good. Apologies if it's not. Uh, but we are here and we're going to talk all things Arsenal. We're going to discuss the latest news, of which there is plenty, as there always seems to be in the Arsenal sphere these days. We're going to talk about the reports claiming that Arsenal are closing in on the Gremio midfielder Bitello. We'll get into that. We'll also talk about the latest on both Romeo Lavia and Mohamed Kudus, who have both at various points been linked with the Arsenal this summer. We'll also reflect on Declan Rice's interview, which I thought was really, really interesting, and some of Mikel Arteta's comments in the build-up to the Barcelona game, which includes him telling people basically in Spanish to kind of calm down about the whole midfield discussion and midfield debate. We're going to get into all of that on this live edition of the show. Good to see lots of you joining us in the live chat as well. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all having a great day so far. Um, bit miserable in London. It's not cold or anything, but it is a bit miserable. And there is that threat of rain, which is always a problem, I guess, when you're a Londoner. But um yeah, here we are, ready to go, ready to talk Arsenal and uh, ready to interact with you brilliant people in the live chat. Before I dive into the show, there are just a couple of quick points I want to make. So the first uh, being Tom Canton, of course, is bringing you guys a live show. The Guna Talk Live uh, is happening on the Sunday, the 13th of August. That is the day after Arsenal kick off their Premier League campaign in North London, uh, a live event, the Link is in the description below for you to get your tickets if it's something you're interested in coming along to. I myself will be part of the panel. Me, FK from the Latte Firm, uh, Mike from the Gunas Pod, and of course, Bailey Keo as well. So lots of um, 
lots of big gooners uh, are going to be in attendance, not just on the panel, but in the audience as well. And if you'd like to come down, meet everyone, have a great night. Hopefully we're talking about an opening uh, day of the season victory. Uh, then uh, do get your tickets. They are selling fast and they are running out. So uh, just to give you guys a heads up, if it is something you're interested in, you need to act now uh, rather than later because uh, you could miss out. Let's say a few hellos. Uh, and then I've got one more uh, quick point to make before we dive into the main bulk of the show. Uh, Gunner Deja Vu on the Kudu stuff, which we're going to get into a little bit later on. Chelsea are so annoying. They're literally trying to sign every player we want. He says, uh, Tom says, good afternoon, Harry and chat. Yon Tora Fjellstad said, I will press the like button if you also speak about one promising under-21 player. You'll need to be a little bit more specific. Like, do you mean just any promising under-21 player? Because I could come up with a few, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, what's the screen name here? Questone? Quistone? I don't know how to read that. But um, going onto the Arteta press conference, which we'll touch on in a little bit more detail later on. He says, it's a shame no one asked Arteta about why Balogun trained alone, something that we, of course, discussed on yesterday's show. Uh, he says, hope he gets at least a half in the game against Barcelona. Uh, Michael Kwasi uh, is, of course, quoting Mikel Arteta with Tranquilo uh, after he was speaking about the midfield. Uh, we've got Junior. We've got Harris joining us from Cyprus as well. Uh, we've got NSW. We've got Evan, who joins us uh, from work. Uh, we've got uh, HK Hamburger from Hong Kong. Uh, we've got so many brilliant people in the chat. We've got uh, Brian from Ohio as well in the USA. OK, let's um, let's start off, I think, with the Bitello stuff. Um, let's uh, let's get into that in a little bit more detail, because this is a link that's been there for a little while, actually. Um you know, it's it's something that we've heard about now for probably a couple of weeks. Arsenal's supposed interest in this Brazilian midfielder, 23 years old, plays predominantly in the centre of midfield, but has shown himself capable of playing in a wide area as well, which kind of means that he fits in with maybe what Mohamed Kudus would be as well. Now, Kudus has played as a striker, which Bitello hasn't. But in terms of the other positions that he's occupied throughout his career, they seem to be quite similar in profile. So this link, does it make sense? I guess it does. Uh, it is a deal that we think Arsenal are going to be able to do for anything between eight to 10 million pounds. But it is a transfer that if Arsenal do get over the line, could see the player remain in Brazil for that little bit longer. Um, again, I'm not 100% sure how concrete, to use the words of the window, this is. Uh, I'm not sure how advanced, if advanced at all, this is. But these reports are not going away. They're coming from Brazil. Uh, they're coming from uh, Tuto Mercato in Italy as well. Um, I appreciate that the bulk of the reporting on this is coming from outside of the UK, which I think when it comes to Arsenal news naturally makes people a little bit wary, myself included, which is why I'm not going massive on this. But if you are to believe the noise is coming from South America and, of course, from sections of Italy as well, then this is something that is moving in the right direction and progressing. Can I tell you how good a signing this would or wouldn't be? I can't because the truth is I don't know anything about Bitello. I looked at, into him a little bit uh, when this link first emerged. And, um, you know, he is someone who people are asking questions of with regards to, well, you know, if he's 23 years old and he's not in the Brazilian setup, how big a star could he be? How good a player could he be? And is he ready to go on a move to a Premier League club. Obviously, Arsenal have that link to the Brazilian market through Edu, 
They've gone and done business with clubs uh, in Brazil in the past. The Gabriel Martinelli signing, for example, is one that's worked out brilliantly. Six million pounds from Ituanu, and he's come in and had an incredible impact, and he's only getting better. Could Bitello be the next Martinelli? Well, he's certainly a lot older than Martinelli, and he's certainly a lot further in his career in terms of where Martinelli was at the time Arsenal took that punt on him. So, you know, there are questions around this guy. There are questions with regards to how serious these links are too. So we've got to be wary of that. But, you know, we'd heard that Arsenal had sent somebody over to open negotiations about a week and a half ago. Now we're hearing that this is close. So whether that means there's been progress and whether that means that we should start thinking about the possibility of Bitello coming, I don't know. Um, but what I will say is that the likelihood of Bitello coming straight into the Arsenal squad, even if we do sign him during this transfer window, is is not very likely. This looks like something that is going to lead to a potential loan back. I, I understand that there could be work permit issues involved in this as well, which could contribute to Arsenal wanting to send him back or having to send him back, I guess, uh, to play for Gremio for a, a bit longer until the season finishes over in South America, etc., etc. But yeah, this one is not going away. So I thought it worth discussing. Bitello to Arsenal, is that a deal that we could see done in the next week or so? Possibly, quite possibly indeed. Right, let's um, let's take it on uh, from Bitello. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Declan Rice's interview today because Declan Rice uh, has been speaking to the media ahead of Arsenal's game against Barcelona. Uh, there was an exclusive interview uh, that came out earlier today. Um, a, a few channels have run it. He obviously sat down with a number of different uh, outlets. Uh, Sky Sports interview seems to be the one that's probably picked up the most traction. Uh, but Declan Rice has been speaking at length about life at Arsenal so far. And I think when you listen to his comments, it's all really, really encouraging. Every time I hear Declan Rice speak, I'm more and more on board with the signing because I think he's a really good talker. I think he comes across as a really likable character. I think he'll have no problems settling in with his teammates, finding his feet and becoming a part of the group. And I think his character would have played a big part in Arsenal's willingness to go that bit further to get him in, you know, and I talk about going that bit further to paying in excess of a hundred million pounds to get him in the door. And some of the quotes that have come out of this interview have been really, really, I think, uh, well received. If you go, on YouTube, you can watch the entire interview, which I've done. I watched the Sky version. I also watched the ESPN version, which is a little bit different as well. But the answers that Declan Rice gave to very similar questions are quite similar across the board, as you'd expect. Um, but yeah, as I say, this is another interview that Declan Rice has given that has further endeared me to the player. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into it, what he said in a little bit more detail. He talked about the fact that he's looking forward to learning different things and to learning about different structures. I said this to you guys when we signed Declan Rice. He's been playing under a manager whose demands of him would have been very, very different. David Moyes, good coach in his own right, has had a really good career, I think, is really good at setting up teams in a defensive structure, has been really good at setting up well-organized units to sort of level the playing field between his side and some of the bigger sides. He's obviously won a European trophy with West Ham. If you think back to his Everton days, I thought he did great there. Had them consistently pushing sort of top four, top five. I think they finished in the top four one year, but then missed out on Champions League qualification. But his mindset around football will be different to Mikel Arteta's. 
and not just different, very different. Um, what he will demand of his defensive midfielders will be a totally different thing. He will demand that they protect the ball. He'll demand that they probably don't take risks in possession. He'll demand that, you know, they're in a position to be able to deal with transition when the ball gets turned over. And I guess he will be, or he would have been, stricter with Declan Rice with regards to the runs that he makes forward. Now, if Declan Rice comes in at Arsenal and plays predominantly as a six, which we think might be the case, then he is going to have to be disciplined there as well, just like Thomas Partey is. But there will be times, it feels, that Declan Rice will play as an eight. And if Declan Rice plays as an eight, he will have more license in this Arsenal side to get forward than he would have ever had at West Ham United. And he's going to have to get used to that. He's going to have to build up his confidence in terms of making those runs and, and really believing that he can impact the game in the final third. If there's one thing about Declan Rice that maybe he's yet to prove, I think it is how he can impact games in the final third. His goal record isn't something to be uh, you know, shouting about. It isn't something that screams to me a uh, player that can impact the game in the opposition third. He is very much a central player and someone who will have to add different things to, as he put it, his arsenal if he's going to succeed under Mikel Arteta. And he seems to be really willing and open to these lessons and to this education that he believes he's going to receive under Mikel Arteta. He was asked, of course, about the energy within the football club, within the group. Uh, he talked about the mindset, the mentality, he said, is just about winning. And, you know, we know that that wasn't always the case here. We know that when it comes to Arsenal Football Club, there have been times where, you know, that maybe hasn't always been what it's about. There's times where it's been make money. There's been times where it's been getting the Champions League so we can balance the books. That doesn't feel like it's the case anymore. And every time a player comes in or somebody gets some sort of access to Arsenal behind the scenes, we're hearing the same things, which is really, really encouraging. And to hear it from our £100 million signing only further uh, enhances that belief from the supporters that the right mentality is in place now at Arsenal Football Club for us to go on uh, to the next level. Um, let me just touch on a couple of, of your comments uh, in the chat because there's a few... Um, there's a few uh, bits and pieces that people have picked up on. Uh, Harambe says uh, Edu didn't sign Martinelli. It was before he was in charge of these things. Yeah, correct. Um, but Arsenal have a history of going to Brazil, plucking out young talents is what I'm saying and um, and bringing them forward. And, and whenever you think about going and bringing in a young Brazilian player who's relatively unproven, who's unheard of really in Premier League terms, that's the example that you're going to go back to. That's the one that you're going to link it all back to and the one that you're hoping uh, somebody like Botello could replicate. Um, what else have we got? Uh, uh, Gunner Deja Vu says, how can Rice talking make you more and more convinced? All that should matter is what a player does on the pitch. Everything else is superficial. Was that supposed to be? Um, look, because... If you remember back to when we first hired Mikel Arteta, there was a press conference that he gave. I think it was his very first press conference, actually, where I thought, you know what? I wasn't sure about you getting the job because you don't have the experience. You don't have the track record, all the rest of it. But the way he spoke convinced me that at least in theory, he was going to try and do the right things. Now, there was no guarantee it was going to work. And there was no guarantee that we were going to get results off the back of that or would go on to win trophies. But just the way he spoke 
for me, was enough to believe that at least in his mind, he's got the right ideas, the right attitude, the right mentality to take this club forward. And over time, Mikel Arteta's got better and better. Arsenal have got better and better as a result of his management. And now we're in a much stronger position and the pride has been restored at the football club. Declan Rice might not get everything right straight away. And Declan Rice absolutely does have to take his game up to a whole new level and we'll have to learn new things, new tricks, all the rest of it. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if somebody in their mind has the right ideas and views things and understands things in the right way, then it's only a matter of time before they get to where they want to be. You can say that what they do on the pitch is all that matters. Yes, but to do the right things on the pitch and to be elite in terms of your game, you need to have an elite mentality. And listening to Declan Rice talk so openly about the fact that he believes that this is the right manager for him, the right club for him, that he's going to have to adapt his game. But him being so willing and open to do that gives me confidence that He's got the tools to be able to succeed. And that is half the battle, right? Once you, If you've got that, then you're well on your way. And I think Declan Rice really is well on his way and, and will be a, a really important player for Arsenal. Talked about the players around the club. He said they've been amazing with him. Says that he feels at home already. When he was kind of asked about Arsenal Football Club and what attracted him to the place. There was a lot of talk, or, or he brought up the fact that people have been saying for a little while that, you know, Arsenal don't have the uh, mentality or the capability to go on and win the Premier League. But he seems to put it across that his view on Arsenal has not been shaped solely on what he saw last season and has actually been built over the last couple of years. There was an interview that Bukayo Saka gave uh, to ESPN, I think it was yesterday, where he sat down with Kai Havertz and they were asking each other questions and he described Mikel Arteta as a genius because he will believe that Mikel Arteta has played a massive part in his progression. He will believe that Mikel Arteta is the right man to take Arsenal forward, as does seemingly everybody within the camp. And that is massive. Like, we don't know Mikel Arteta on a personal level. I've been lucky enough to speak to him a few times over the course of last season. I found him fascinating to talk to. Um, you know, I got to speak to Edu. I got to speak to some of the players in post-match interviews and all the rest of it. And the thing that always came across to me was the unity. And not just in terms of everybody sort of wanting to fight blood, sweat, tears for one another, but the unity in terms of the way they view the game, what they believe and their trust and faith in Mikel Arteta and the process, if you like, the methods that are in place to hopefully get them to where they want to be. Um, so, yeah, Declan Rice talking about the last couple of years and how important that's been in sort of Arsenal's progress. It's not just about last season and the progress shown then. It's been something that's building for a little while. But again, he referred to the fact that the setup is just completely different to anything he's had before. And again, he stressed the fact that he's probably going to need just a little bit of time uh, to build up to that. I, I don't see him as someone that will hide behind that. I don't see him as someone who will go, well, I've just come in, therefore I'm kind of on holiday for a few months. He will be someone that wants to get down to business straight away and wants to move forward quickly. But he's also not silly enough to think that he's just going to grasp all of Mikel Arteta's concepts and ideas, having never come across them before within the space of a couple of weeks. And he also went on at some point to talk about how the fact that Arsenal moved for him so early, um, well, at least started the negotiations early. Some people will tell you that it took an absolute age and all the rest of it. But 
he believes that the process to get him into the club began early because Arsenal recognised actually that he's going to have a lot of work to do and he's going to need to adapt and he's going to need to develop in certain areas and felt that it best that they get him in ahead of the preseason tour. So he has the best possible chance of being as close to the best player he can be at the start of the season. The big quote that has really kind of caught fire, I'm going to slightly paraphrase um, what Declan Rice said, but the big bit, I think the bit that's caused all the headlines was when he talked about um, Mikel Arteta tactically. I thought that bit was, was really, um, was really fascinating. I I really, really do. Um, He said, it's crazy. I'm already seeing football in a completely different way. You think, you know, football growing up, And when you play, but when you meet managers like Mikel, you realise you don't really know anything. It's amazing that this manager of ours, who some people still want to question, some people still want to criticise, has been able to really uh, revolutionise the way a lot of footballers see the game. Now, there's no right or wrong way to play football. There are different ways of playing football. There are different philosophies. Some philosophies lend themselves to other philosophies. Some have taken bits and pieces from other great coaches. Mikel Arteta referenced Pep Guardiola as a big influence. He's referenced Arsene Wenger as an influence. He's, he's referenced David Moyes too as one. Uh, Johan Cruyff as well, because of course, Mikel Arteta as a kid spent some time at Barcelona where their philosophy at the time was you know, and still is to this day heavily influenced by the great Dutchman. So I think the fact that he's been able to kind of get in there, bring players in from other clubs and then give them something that maybe they've never had before or or, or show them a way of reading the game or assessing the game or just looking at the game through a different lens shows you that he is very much an intelligent coach and somebody that people respect. And that, again, is a testament to his brilliance. And, yeah, you know, we've got to go on and win stuff this season. We've got to go on and, and be right up there again. And we've got to stake our claim properly and all the rest. I totally agree with all of that. But at the same time, people aren't saying this stuff for shits and giggles. People aren't saying this stuff because they have to. People are saying this stuff because they genuinely believe it. They genuinely believe that Mikel Arteta is a game-changing coach. And I bet if you asked a lot of these people off-camera, where they'd probably be more open to making bolder predictions, there'll be people out there that will probably tell you that Mikel Arteta could end up being one of the best coaches in world football within the next few years. Um, and, and, And you'd have to agree with that if we continue on the same trajectory. And it's not just about the tactical element. It's not just about the football element in terms of what you do once you cross the white line. It's about the culture that you can create. And if you can create the right culture in any sporting environment, you are an incredible asset to your club. And Mikel Arteta, for me, is exactly that. He was asked about uh, who he's kind of really hit it off with within the Arsenal camp. And I was expecting him to say Eddie Nketiah, who he already knows, or Bukayo Saka, who's uh, an England teammate, and he, he clearly has a good relationship with him. I was actually caught out a little bit by him saying Leandro Trossard. Uh, He said he's a top guy, top person, was always a nuisance when I played against him, and it's great to have him on the same side. I would never have ever uh, guessed that Declan Rice and Leandro Trossard would be best buds, but they are uh, besties, it seems. (laughs) 
He was asked about the price tag as well. Um, I think this part uh, was asked in the Sky interview by Melissa Reddy, but I did think that they went in on this a little bit more on the ESPN version of the interview. And Declan Rice said very similar things in both. I can't afford to think about that. You know, I can't afford to be caught up in this kind of whirlwind of he's the most expensive British player ever and all the rest of it. He said, it might sound weird and it might sound off and strange, but I really don't think about it. And I think, again, that's the right mentality to have. We've seen it in the past, weigh players down. Let everybody else talk about it because at the end of the day, Declan Rice didn't put that £100 million price tag on himself. West Ham United did that. West Ham United came to that decision, came to that valuation, stood firm on that valuation, forcing Arsenal in the end to pay it to get their man and that shouldn't be something that Declan Rice is beating over the head with um, every time he, he doesn't have such a great game. I think instead, if there is going to be criticism about the amount of money paid, that criticism needs to be put towards the club that were willing to pay it. I always think that. I thought that with Nicolas Pepe as well. Rather than getting on the players back, rather than picking on the individual, why not go for the club or the person that took the decision to spend £72 million on him? Now, people make mistakes in the transfer market. I've said it for ever since this podcast started for years. I've always said, you know, anything that you do in the transfer market has an element of risk to it. And naturally, the more money you spend, the greater the risk, particularly when it's a player that is yet to prove himself, for example, in a top, top league that is yet to prove himself at a top, top club. I think with Declan Rice, he's proven himself in the Premier League. He's proven himself on the international stage. Um, the only thing that's missing is playing for an elite club, which obviously didn't have the opportunity to do at West Ham. Now has that opportunity now. So um, fingers crossed he can kick on and push on. OK, going to take a very, very short pause. Uh, then we're going to reflect on Mikel Arteta's press conference. There's one bit in particular I want to talk about, and that was his response to the midfield chat uh, that has been doing the rounds over the last few days, ever since, in fact, that defeat against Manchester United in New Jersey. We're also going to quickly touch on the latest with Mohamed Kudus and Romeo Lavia, who have both been linked with moves to Arsenal this summer, but both look as though they are headed elsewhere. Don't go anywhere. Start putting your chat uh, or your questions, I, I beg your pardon, in the chat box. We'll be back in just a second. We'll do Arteta and we'll do your questions. Welcome back along to the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. If you're just joining us on our live stream, please do leave a like on the video. What are you waiting for? If you haven't done it already, we got just 66 on the board. When you think about how many of you are watching us live right now, that is nothing short of a disgrace. Come on. Sort it out. Um, sort it out. Get involved. Uh, like. It doesn't cost a thing. Uh, also, subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new as well. That really, really does help us uh, as we push towards that 30,000 mark that we want to get to here on YouTube. Again, as I always say, that doesn't include all the brilliant people that listen to this show um, on audio platforms as well. So when you think about it, this community is already much bigger than the 30,000 that we have here on YouTube. And that in itself is astonishing. Um, but I want to get it as big as possible. I want to keep growing it. I want it to be somewhere that people are, are excited to come over to and talk Arsenal. Um, you can have your say in the chat, of course. And from time to time, we do our phone-in shows as well. So you are very much part of the family if you're with us. Right, let's, um, let's talk about Mikel Arteta's uh, comments on the midfield because... 
this was um this was great for me uh, i loved it um he was asked about finding the right balance i think the way the question was put to him and forgive me if my memory is letting me down here but the way the question was put to him was like arsenal fans were going mad at the lack of midfield balance or arsenal fans were going mad about the fact that the midfield wasn't physical enough I don't think Arsenal fans were going mad. I, I think that was packaged in a way that maybe got underneath Mikel Arteta's skin a little bit and possibly contributed to him giving the answer that he did in the end. Um, I don't think people were going mad. I expressed concerns about the balance in that midfield with Kai Havertz, Martin Odegaard and Declan Rice in it. I, I, I've said it so many times over the last few months. I've said it ever since we were linked with Kai Havertz. And it came to light that the idea was for him to play as an eight. I said it all the way through the summer. And and I continue to say it now. That wasn't me jumping on a bandwagon off the back of that game against Manchester United. Those that listen to this and watch this regularly will know that. And I think I like to think when I criticise or when I express a concern, I do it in a respectful way. Unfortunately, off the back of Saturday's game, there wasn't a lot of respect shown to A, Mikel Arteta, but B, to to Kai Havertz in particular, and the rest of the midfield who haven't played together, all the rest of it. I think it was blown out of proportion. People are getting anxious now. We're getting close to the season. There's quite a bit of change in Arsenal's midfield, and that can create an anxiety and nervousness about how that's going to work and how they're going to be able to uh, carry that forward, all the rest of it. But Mikel Arteta responded to that comment um, by saying, we're going to have to go and find the right balance. A year ago, Granite could never play as an attacking midfielder. It's the first time we played with four players inside. Three of them had never played for us. They never played together ever. So, tranquilo, he said, which I loved. I loved that bit. I thought he, he dropped it so nicely. Um, he was also he also went back uh, to the guy that asked the question. I'm just trying to find if I can see that quote on here. Um where he basically said something along the lines of, if I ask you who's more physical, Granite Xhaka or Kai Havertz, what would you say? And the guy said Granite Xhaka, to which Mikel Arteta responded, well, Kai Havertz is one meter 91 tall. Kai Havertz is a big guy, man. He's really, really tall. Really, really tall. So Mikel kind of made the point. It depends what you mean by physicality. Is it about running? Is it about strength? Is it about getting behind? Is it about all the rest of it? Like, it, it was brilliant. Um, I thought that Mikel Arteta leapt to the defence of his player. He said, look, what we've got now is the ability to be physical when we need to. Um, we've got options to be able to change it up when we need to. And we will be fine. Don't worry. Uh, or we will be OK. Don't worry. Was what he said. And, you know, clearly Mikel Arteta believes in the decisions they've made and clearly believes that they're on the right track and that we're we're good to go with the midfield options that we have. I still wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal added one between now and the end of the window. Um, he's obviously uh, he's obviously mentioned, uh, or, or we've obviously mentioned, I beg your pardon, uh, Bitello earlier on in the show. But again, if we did sign Bitello, we don't know that he'd come into the squad straight away. We think that he could be somebody that goes back on loan and maybe comes in at a later date, all of that stuff. Uh, which means that, yeah, you know, I think Mikel will probably want another option that can probably cover on the right as well, um, which is which is the interesting part here. But we'll have to wait and see on that. But options is the name of the game right now for Arsenal. And now we're going to see 
whether Mikel Arteta as a manager is able to manage a, a, a bigger squad, B, one with multiple options, because that does present challenges. It means that you can sometimes drift away from the clarity that got you to this point. So if you knew what your best team was last season, you knew what the best 11 was, and it was by far the best 11, there wasn't really that that kind of danger of getting caught in two minds when we went into certain games or where we went into big fixtures. We always knew that, you know, that was the best team. That's the team we should go with. Unless someone was unavailable, there was no reason to change it. Now that he's got more options, he could be tempted to tweaking things. And the danger is that when you get into that space, you can become a little bit of a tinker man and you can become someone who uh, overthinks things and then does more damage. So that's where I'm really, really interested to try and learn how much Mikel's developed as a manager and how much he's learned along the way to now get him to this stage and to this phase where he can make changes but do them at the right times and, and give us the best possible chance of winning football matches and using the weaponry that he now has, the armory that he now has at his disposal to get the best possible results. That's going to be really, really interesting. Um, we're going to talk Kudus in a minute. We're going to talk at Lavia in a minute. We're also going to take some of your questions, so keep them coming in the live chat box. going to take a really, really short pause, and then we'll do just that. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. Part of, of course, the 90 Min football family. Let's take this one from Shah. Uh, Guna, who says, love your show, Harry. Big up to you and the community. Thank you uh, so, so much, mate. Uh, Damien Kelly said, I just pushed the likes to 78. We're on 96 now. Oh, we're over 100 now. We're over 100 on the likes front, uh, which is great. We're on 102. Can we get to 200 between now and the end of the show? There's certainly enough of you watching. Uh, it only takes one in two of you to hit that like button, which doesn't cost a thing to get us uh, to uh, to get us to that point. Um, Arsenal, of course, taking on Barcelona uh, early morning tomorrow, UK time, which is like, well, it's tonight for you guys across the pond. It's 3.30 in the morning for us here in the UK. As I mentioned to you guys yesterday, I am flying out to Las Vegas tomorrow um, and I'm going to be there until Monday. I, I return on Tuesday. I get back on Tuesday at some point and obviously we've got the Emirates Cup on Wednesday. Um so the time difference is going to be a bit of a pain in the ass for me when it comes to shows. It'll probably suit our, our listeners across the pond. But I'm in two minds whether to stay up, watch the game, get into the right time zone or try to get into the right time zone ahead of my trip. Or if I should just just try to keep my normal pattern, but just wake up for a couple of hours in the middle of the night. I don't know. It's going to be a really, really difficult one to stay awake for, but I am really, really looking forward to watching it because particularly after what happened on Saturday, I want to see a response. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by how we're going to set up tonight, how we're going to look. And, um, yeah, we will bring you a show where we do talk about some of the takeaways from that game. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it out to you before I leave. It could be something that we have to do a little bit later on and tie in with some other news and stuff. But yeah, just be be wary and mindful of that. Uh, we've got Caloneros who joins us from Colombia and says, let's go Arsenal. Uh, Kevin uh, Fitzsimmons says, what do you think of trying to get Hoyland from Atalanta? Maybe if we gave them Balogun and 30 million in cash. I like Rasmus Hoyland. I've seen quite a lot of him. I'm a big Serie A fan and I've seen quite a bit of him recently. But 
whatever happens, it looks like Man United are going to seriously overpay. Could argue that we overpaid for Declan Rice, but Declan Rice was certainly more of a sure thing than Rasmus Hoyland. So I feel like Atalanta's demands are a little bit crazy. Maybe throwing Balogun into the mix would sweeten the deal, but will Balogun want to go there? That's another thing you have to factor in there. Um, good player, lots of potential. Not quite there yet, though, if you ask me. Rasmus Hoyland needs a bit more time. Suited to the Premier League in that he's very physical and all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of money for someone who's still relatively unproven, in my opinion. Big hello to Paul Nell, who says, howdy from California, Harry, out here for my honeymoon. Not the Arsenal game. Um, and the missus wasn't down for a down to L.A. That's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> uh, enjoy your honeymoon, though, mate. Um, enjoy your honeymoon. Uh, lots of you contemplating whether or not uh, we should or, or you should stay up and... Um, and watch the game tonight. DR says, don't gamble away your life savings uh, going to Vegas, of course. Look, I'm I'm traditionally really, really bad once I start gambling. Like, I just, I, if I lose, I'm then in this mood where I want to win it back. So I keep putting and putting and putting. It's a long time ago, but I remember sort of one of my early experiences of going to a casino meant my friend had to take my debit card away from me. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm going to have a little bit of a play in uh in Las Vegas, you can't go to Vegas and not do that, I guess. Um, it's part of the experience. So I'm going to have a little bit of a gamble. Hopefully I win. Uh, hopefully the Arsenal win as well. Hopefully we have a great trip and I'll be back uh, for the Emirates Cup, which I'm very much uh, looking forward to. Uh, Antoine says, uh, Harry, what do you want to see against Barcelona? I'm talking about setup, tactics, etc. That Arteta is experimenting on not only who's in the eleven. I'd actually quite like to see, um, see, we don't have Zinchenko at um, at left back. So I'd quite like to see, I, I know it's about min minutes and I know it's about fitness. I'd like to see Ben White left out, not because I don't think he's great, because I think he's fantastic. And for me, he's the starting right back going into the new season, regardless of how good Timber's been or will be. Uh, for me, Ben White has done nothing wrong and shouldn't lose his place. But I would like to see him left out, at least in the first half against Barcelona, because I quite like to look at a back four of Timber at right back doing the inverted bit that normally Zinchenko would do from the other side. Saliba, Gabriel, and then Kieran Tierney at left back. I'd quite like to have a look at that. Um, I'd also like to see the, the midfield that I believe has the best balance, which is Partey, Rice and Odegaard. Um, I know Partey is a little bit behind in terms of his fitness in comparison to the others because he joined up late, but I'd like to see that at least for a half. And the front three for me, it, it should be Saka, Martinelli and Jesus. And it's just about getting more and more minutes in the tank from those guys and and getting them ready um, to, to be able to hit the ground running when the season starts. Uh <laughs> Uh, there's some great comments in here. I wish I had time to go through every single one of them. Um, Kebab Abdi says, uh, I say watch along. Need someone to watch it with. Oh, man. Um, don't tempt me, man. Don't tempt me. I would love to. If if I wasn't going to be flying all day, I, I probably would have just done it and soldiered it because then I'd have been able to kind of dictate my schedule and maybe get some sleep afterwards and, and all that, and it'd be fine. But I, I don't know that I'll be able to handle um, doing a watch along at 3.30 in the morning our time 
getting up, getting my final bits together, heading down to Heathrow Airport and then sitting on a 10 and a half hour flight before then getting to Vegas and finding that I'm actually eight hours behind the time I was when I left and having to adapt to that and got some work to do out in Vegas as well. So it isn't all going to be sort of feet up by the pool kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to promise it. I'm not going to promise that at all. Um, <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Um, Adam says, just got back from Vegas myself. Hope you have better luck than I did. I oh, don't say that. He says, be warned, though. Meals out there are more expensive than previously. Um, I'm sure they are. Um, I'm sure they are. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you go to Vegas, you expect to, to pay top dollar, right? And I want to have some, like, I want to do some proper, like, I want to eat like proper, what's American food? Like just massive portions of stuff and like chicken wings and like barbecued stuff. And like, I don't know, you let me know what I should try uh, in Vegas. But yeah, um, just quickly wanted to touch on uh, Mohamed Kudus and Romeo Lavia, as we promised at the top of the show. Uh, according to Miguel Delaney today, Chelsea are leading the race for Mohamed Kudus. He says that they've put together a more convincing package than Arsenal have at this moment in time. And he also goes on to say that Arsenal need to sell to buy at this moment after their early expenditure. Now, we've talked about it a lot. Phase one, phase two, phase three, all the rest of it. I'm not convinced, though, it's that black and white. I'm not convinced that if Arsenal find a player they want, they can't do the deal until they move people out. Um, but yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to wait and see on that. Chelsea seem to be leading the race. Uh, Liverpool seem to be leading the race for Romeo Lavia, who's uh, going to be the subject of a second bid, we think, imminently after the first one, worth about £37 million, uh, was rejected yesterday by Southampton, who are seeking something close to £50 million. But look, I just think a lot of the time we'll hear of Arsenal's interest in certain players, right? And we'll get carried away by this idea of of us getting this player and getting that player. And then another club comes in, goes and gets that player. And all of a sudden we assume that, well, Arsenal just got beaten in the negotiations. Well, maybe it means that Arsenal's interest um, wasn't ever as serious as was maybe reported or, or assumed by people. Because often there isn't like a, a scale upon how strong an interest in someone is reported. The report will say Arsenal are interested in Mohamed Kudus. But how interested? Interested in terms of, well, if a good off if a good deal came along, they take it. Interested as much as they are in, for example, Declan Rice or were in Declan Rice, where they were willing to break their transfer record and go up to hundred million pounds. Or just kind of meh. You know, like you, you can't really gauge that. So you need to be um wary of this stuff. Kudus and Lavia weren't primary targets I think the Lavia one was always one that we felt was only ever even a possibility if Thomas Partey left so um yeah yeah no no stress on those fronts I don't think we'll end up with any of those players now uh, I think Kudus felt more likely a few days ago but with no real movement on that from Arsenal's side and seemingly movement from Chelsea's side although we haven't heard of a an, an official bid going in but you do get the feeling that they're moving forward. But then again, they're supposed to be moving forward on Caicedo as well. And that hasn't gone anywhere yet. Uh, Adam with some great uh, recommendations um, on places to eat in Vegas. I'm going to screenshot that and have a look at it uh, in a bit. Jay Muller says, my advice on gambling is you have more chance of winning on the slots than most games and no chance of winning on roulette. Interesting, because roulette's my game. 
So that's a little bit disappointing to hear. Uh, <laughs> um, what else have we got? Um, William Salibak with a great, this is the best question we've had all show. You got to pick start bench or sell. Suvlagi, chicken tikka or chicken satay. Well, I'll start the suvlagi for sure. Um, I'd sell the chicken satay and bench the chicken tikka. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Evaro says, um, UK fans are so spoiled, uh, missing asleep for one night and they're constantly whinging. You're right, mate. You are absolutely right. Um, we do moan, we do complain, we do bitch, we do whine when we're put out of our comfort zone. And unfortunately, that's happening to us during the US tour. The game on Saturday against Man United, 10 p.m. kickoff here, wasn't bad at all. Um, the 131 against MLS All-Stars wasn't ideal, but I managed to get through that one actually quite well. This one's going to be tough, though. 3.30 in the morning is tough, man. Um, but, you know, I think we'll we'll be able to do it. We'll soldier through it. Sleep on the plane. I've got a 10 and a half hour journey to sleep on. Hopefully the plane's comfortable, man, because um, that is a, a necessity, isn't it? On a journey like that. Right. I am going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. Um, I think someone's hovering around waiting to take this little meeting booth off of me here at 90 Min Towers. So you'll blame them for us cutting it short. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. We're on 148 at the minute. If we could get that up to 200, 250, that would be amazing. Someone's just won at darts. Um, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. That really, really does help as well as we continue to push towards that 30,000 goal that we're creeping ever closer towards. It still feels a million miles away, but when you think about it, we have made great progress actually over the last couple of months. So keep the subscriptions coming, all of the rest of it. If you want more, go over to the Another Slice platform. The link is in the description below. You can sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna Premium and get access to more content. I will bring you some content from Las Vegas. Don't know exactly uh, what just yet. Uh, don't know how regular it will be just yet, but I will try and do something at least daily. Might be in a shorter form. It might be pre-recorded, just depending on the internet connections there and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, I'll speak to you guys from stateside. And if anyone is in Vegas, hit me up because I don't know anyone there. Uh, I really don't. Uh, but anyway, catch you all soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and have a great day. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.